Social season. Hey, I'm about to level up. Swerving on 995 Got my girl by my side I heard your new album, I hope you retire We got family ties It's a scary sight They say don't work with family But we gave all our friends jobs This game is soft I think I'ma start ghost riding Been a hell of back You can still smell the smoke on them Tell the same Marty You don't want no problems Anti-celebrity Trust me, I am a nobody Level up, I'm about to level up. Level up, I'm about to level up. Level up, I'm about to level up. Level up. Hey, I'm about to level up. This is your first time here. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor here at Mozak Church, evidently. So, uh, happy you're here. Um, starting a new series called Level Up Today. So uh, one of the things I've noticed in my life is that you can tell what generation someone is from by what video game console they had when they were young. So do we have anybody young enough here who was like PlayStation, Xbox was your first one? Your first one. Okay, I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> so mostly no. Um, Super Nintendo Genesis, Sega Genesis. First one, first one, okay, so yeah, it puts you right there. Uh, Nintendo, the very first Nintendo, that's what I figured, that's me, I'm a Nintendo guy. Atari, you had so, some Ataris, okay, rocks and sticks. <laughs> Mom, yeah, there you go. It's just true, I'm sorry. <laughs> Different generations, guys. So, uh, growing up, I was a Nintendo guy, so, you know, it was Mario, it was Contra, it was Ninja Gaiden, like, those are my good childhood memories. My wife actually got me one of those little uh, Nintendo things that you can play all the old games, so I've been reliving my childhood here. She's really been regretting that decision <laughs> of getting me that. Um, but if you remember, uh, if you were back in, like, the cartridge days, that one of the most disappointing things would be when you would sit down to play the game is you'd put it in and you'd turn it on and it wouldn't work. But you knew what to do, right? You had to pull that thing out and you had to... And then put it back in, and for some reason, that worked. I have no idea what the magic was, but for some reason, that worked. Now, you don't have that problem anymore, right? Uh, if you're still a gamer, or if you are a gamer, you, uh, we don't have cartridges. You'd have to go to a museum to actually see one of those. Um, but there is still something that's really frustrating when you sit down to play a video game. At least I've experienced this. So uh, I don't get a ton of time to do that. So um, if I get a new one, I'm all excited. I sit down, put it in, thinking that I'm about to spend an hour playing a video game. But the first screen that comes up is not the, the game, but a screen that says, the game you want to play has a required update. And I'm like, oh. so you, you literally can't play until this update happens. I don't know about you, but mine is incredibly slow. So I spent an hour just watching a status bar crawl slowly across my TV screen instead of actually playing the game. And it's really frustrating. But here's the thing. I uh, have noticed some parallels spiritually to that experience that um, maybe wanting to experience spiritual growth 
but, but having some things that have to happen before you can grow, having some requirements, some prerequisites before you grow can be a really frustrating experience. That there are things that you need in your heart, in your mind, like in your person before you can actually grow spiritually. There has to be some things there. You have like a required update that has to happen before you can grow. And if you don't know that, if you don't know that certain things have to be present in your heart and in your soul before you grow, you're gonna focus on the growth and not realize that you actually have to do some pre-work before you do the work. And it's a really, really frustrating experience. So what I wanna talk about today is some prerequisites to spiritual growth. We're not even at spiritual growth yet. We have some prerequisites before we can even grow. I wanna talk about three of them. We're gonna actually look at a story where a man actually desires to grow spiritually, but he can't. He wants to get to the next level spiritually, but he can't because he doesn't have the, the prerequisites, that required update before he can jump into that. So uh, would you pray with me and then we'll jump into the story. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Uh, for today. Thank you for uh, the worship team and and helping us get into your presence today, Lord. I pray for uh, every single person sitting here, Lord, that um, our hearts will be open to what you have to say today, Lord, that we would be listening closely uh, if there's something here that you want us to look at, Lord. I pray that we would do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so the story we're going to look at is actually in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's in three of the four Gospels, which tells us that it's a pretty important story. And uh, In my opinion, man, this story is just jam-packed. I had to like pick which stuff to pull out of it because it's such a a rich story. Um, We're gonna look at Mark's account uh, in the book of Mark. And the story is about a young guy uh, who has a lot of money and uh, he just generally seems to have his life together. Okay, so like imagine one of the guys on The Bachelor or something. You know what I'm saying? Like single ladies, you'd take notice of this dude if he was around. Like he is that kind of a guy. He has it together. He's got money. Uh, he even has potential yet because he's young. So he's, he's already reaching high levels and he's still got more to go. Um, this is the guy who's going to have an interaction with Jesus in this story. And so it's one of the most fascinating interactions in the gospel. So Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17, here's what happens. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So our wealthy young man asks this question. And that question is like, that's honestly, if you're going to ask questions, that's like the most question, most important question that you can ask. Uh, if you, I mean, if you think about this, this eternal life, the thing that happens the, the moment you die, whatever happens after that is going to be like the most important thing that you think about in your life. I mean, think about it. Your, your life, best case scenario, compared to the length of time you're, you're not going to be alive, <laughs> They're not really comparable, right? I mean, you, you're gonna be dead a lot longer than you're alive, so to, to know what you're gonna be experiencing in this uh, eternity after you die is a really important question. So I hope, I hope you've asked this question. I hope you've thought about this question. You're sitting here today, so I imagine it's at least been on your radar. But this question, you know, how am I going to spend eternity, is a really, really important question. So this is the question this guy leads with. And here's how Jesus responds in verse 18. Why do you call me good? Jesus asks. Only God is truly good. That's an interesting response. So he called him good teacher. And then Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And uh, some people will use this response to say, see, 
Jesus didn't think he was God. See, they'll look at this and, and, and use this as evidence to say that even Jesus did not think he was divine, as would be the, the Christian belief that Jesus was not just a man, that Jesus was actually God incarnate. He was the God man. Um, but they would say, no, 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 look at that. Clearly shows that he doesn't think that. Um, but I think if you look closely, you, you actually can see these saying the opposite. See, people don't give Jesus credit for having a personality. They act like Jesus was a robot. But um, what he just said and what he's going to do is what he just said is, hey, uh, only God can answer the question that you just asked. I'm going to answer it. You know, I, I almost imagine as he says this, like he's saying, oh, why you call me good? Only God is good. And then he winks at Peter. You know what I'm saying? Like there's this subtlety going on like that, that people just don't give Jesus credit for. And if you were here last week, we talked about Jesus dropping hints all the time. Jesus is always working on multiple levels and people just don't give him credit for that. And I think this is a subtle way of saying, hey, dude, so you're asking me about eternity. Um, well, attached to this question of how you're gonna spend eternity is who, who am I? That's actually one of the first things you're going to have to get through as you think about, hey, where am I going to spend eternity? You also need to ask, well, who is Jesus? You have to answer that. You can't, your parents can't answer that. Your church can't answer that. You personally have to come to a decision on who Jesus is. And that's the first thing he wants to kind of hint at with this young man. Now, uh, so he, he hints at this. I feel like he winks at Peter. And then he moves on to answering the question, verse 19. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother. You want eternal life? Obey the commandments. And then, and then he basically lists like the, the second half of, of the Ten Commandments. He doesn't list the first half, he lists basically the second half. Uh, there's six here, but, but basically the idea is the second half of the Ten Commandments. Can I just point that out that that's weird. That's weird. As a Christian and, and like believing what I believe, I kind of want to go, uh, Jesus, actually, that's wrong. Um, <laughs> don't say that. Because you look at it and you're like, oh, that's, hmm. But you know that Jesus said it, so it has to be right. And it's a confusing thing because he, he says obey the commandments. And then he lists the second five of the, ten, of the big 10. He's at least in the 10, right? We think the big, the, the, the Ten Commandments are like a big deal, but he picks the second five, which I would say is the, of the two halves, this is the least important half. The first half's more important than this half, but that's what he picks. So what's he doing? What is Jesus doing here? Why did he answer like this? Um, so back when my daughter Trinity was first starting out in school, uh, I, I was kind of in charge of the morning routine because um, my wife goes to work early, so I'm usually there when, uh, to do the whole morning routine, which is also known as hell. Um, so when she was really little and it was just her, like I had this mission, I wanted to get her into a routine, right? Because that's best case scenario for your kids to actually do something without being told. I'm not there yet, but... Um, what I tried to do initially is uh, she'd get up and she'd come downstairs and I'd be like, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to eat breakfast. You're going to go upstairs. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to get your clothes on. You're going to come back down. You're going to brush your hair. You're going to get your lunchbox into your book bag. You're going to put your shoes on. You're going to put your coat on. You're going to put your book bag on your back and then you're going to be ready to go. All right. And then she'd be just staring at me like, what? Or she would start to do some of it, forget some of it, and, and kind of, sort of, clumsy her way through it. Rookie mistake, right? 
I tried to hit her with everything at once to give her this whole picture of this whole thing when I should have just given her the next step or the next two, right? Well, I think that's what Jesus is doing here. Rather than hitting this guy with everything at once, Jesus wants to lead him down a path to a truth that this guy needs to see. So what I want you to focus on as you go through the story is don't take one answer as the answer. Jesus is trying to get this guy in steps to a place and we're gonna come to that at the end. So don't get caught up in thinking, oh, so I just gotta do the second half of the first 10 commandments and I'm in. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's just giving him the first step. He's trying to lead this guy along to this next place. So Jesus says, you know the commandments, and then he lists the second half of the Ten Commandments. Here's how our boy responds, verse 20. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Oh, the second half of the Ten Commandments? Nailed it. I'm good. What's next? What you got? I'm good. Yeah, I did that. And he's not even just saying that he's doing it currently. He's saying that he has been doing it since he was young. So this is like a statement. He's like, yeah, yeah, check, man. I did all these. I'm good. To which I would reply, if I were Jesus, really? Are you sure? Dude, okay, I'll give you the first two. Like you didn't murder, you didn't commit adultery, whatever. But you're telling me you've never stolen anything? Do you not have siblings? Have you never taken anything that wasn't yours, really? And you never lied at all? You've never misrepresented the truth, left some of the truth out, twisted it in your favor? You've never done any of that at all since you were young? And you honored your father and mother perfectly? Should we call them? This sounds like fake news. Like, I do not believe you. I do not believe you. This shows us, right here, the first like, prerequisite to spiritual growth. This is the first thing that you need before you can actually grow. It's self-awareness. You need self-awareness. It is nearly impossible for you to grow if you don't know where you stand. You can't get to the next step if you don't know what step you're on. There's just no way. If you think you're here when you're really here and you're trying to get there, you're going to be all messed up as you try to go forward. Romans 12.3 says this. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you each one of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. You gotta know where you are. If you wanna take that next step spiritually, if you wanna get to that next level spiritually, you gotta know what level you're on. You have to have some level of self-awareness. Now, I'm gonna make a scary statement. I'm gonna make a scary statement. You ready for the scary statement? In my experience, this is just my experience, it's not Bible, it's not anything, it's just my experience. The people who think they have the most self-awareness usually have the least. And that's a really lame thing to say because if you were sitting there going, oh yeah, I've got this one down, I just said, probably not, actually. (laughs) Um, And again, it might not be this way across the board, but here's why, here's why. I think what happens is as soon as you start to get really confident in being a, that you are a self-aware person, it almost creates blind spots. You know what I'm saying? Because, because when you become confident that you know who you are, you stop asking questions about yourself. You, start, you stop examining yourself. You just kind of rest on the fact that you think you know who you are. You think you know uh, all of the, the intricacies of what goes into making you you. 
And you stop, you stop examining. You stop thinking about it. You stop asking questions. And, and maybe you started off as actually being a pretty self-aware person, but since you stopped asking questions, blind spots that were really small started to grow. And all of a sudden now, because you don't examine yourself anymore, you got really big glaring blind spots. And if you would say to somebody, man, I just feel like I'm a really self-aware person, they would go, okay, <laughs> buddy. Because they can see clearly your blind spots, but you can't see anything. It's almost the confidence that, that creates the problem. So, so I would much be in much more of a comfortable place with you if you were saying, ooh, man, I want to be self-aware. Uh, I, I, I know I have to have some areas that I can't see clearly, um, but I, 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 I need to lack a little bit of confidence in knowing for sure everything about myself. So that would be like the step one if you're like, man, I wanna, if you're self-aware enough to know that you might not be self-aware, you follow me? Um, then you need to at least start to ask some questions of yourself. Slow down on the confidence that you know who you are. And then, and then, you're going to have to have somebody from the outside speak into your life. You're going to have to have an outside source, someone who's close to you, who knows enough about you to actually see these things, someone who loves you, and someone who actually has the guts to tell you the truth. Matter of fact, you need to go farther than just giving them permission to speak into your life. You need to ask them to speak truth to you. You need to ask them to point stuff out. And, and specifically in the places that you don't want to hear it. You need a kind of person like that in your life. So if you want to grow spiritually, the prerequisite you have to have is self-awareness. You got to know who you are. You gotta know what level you're on in order to know what level is next. And you gotta have someone in your life who's willing to tell you that. So that's your first one. Prerequisite number one, self-awareness. So uh, our boy, so the story's going. Jesus says, hey, ten, you know, 10 commandments, second half of 10 commandments. And our guy's like, got it, check, what's next? Here's how Jesus responds to this. Again, every time Jesus responds, it's surprising here. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So there's a ton going on in just one verse. Let's just deal with this first part. Can we all just be amazed that Jesus' knee-jerk gut reaction to this guy's complete lack of self-awareness is love? Like, isn't that crazy? That's how Jesus responds to a lack of self-awareness. That's not me. If I were, you know, I respond in disgust. I respond in frustration, anger, at best pity for somebody who lacks self-awareness. But Jesus, no, no, no. Genuine love, genuine love. By the way, if you are the person who lacks self-awareness, that's a really nice and hopeful thing to know that Jesus is responding to your lack of self-awareness in love. And he wants to help still. So he tells him to sell everything and go f and follow him. Just get rid of everything and, and, and follow me. So if you're keeping track, remember the, the question was, uh, good teacher, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, okay, second half of 10 commandments. And the guy goes, okay, nailed it. And then Jesus goes, okay, sell everything you have and come follow me. The distance between those two is really big, isn't it? Like step one, he's like, oh yeah, I got it. And then he's like, okay, sell everything and come follow me. Wow, that's crazy. That's way over here. Now remember, Jesus is leading this guy somewhere. So don't sit here and think, wait a minute, so to go to heaven, I have to sell everything and, and, and go live and what? Like, what do I do? I don't understand. Keep in mind, he's leading him somewhere. This is the only person that Jesus says this to. He didn't, he didn't tell anybody else to do this. He told this guy to do it. And this shows us the second prerequisite to spiritual growth. The second prerequisite to spiritual growth. 
is no part of your life off limits. No part of your life off limits. Remember how I said the first half of the Ten Commandments is actually more important than the second half of the Ten Commandments? Well, in asking this man to sell everything he had, Jesus was pointing out that this guy is failing at the very first commandment. He may have five through ten down, but he's missing the first one. The first one is have no other gods before God. And this man had put his money ahead of God. And Jesus, instead of just saying that, he wanted to show him, you know? Jesus, because Jesus could have, remember, at any time Jesus could have hit this guy with the full picture right now. If the guy could have come up and said, Dear teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus could have said, You love your money more than God. <laughs> he could have just led with that, right? And the guy could have been like, No, uh. <laughs> they could have they went back and forth. But instead, Jesus wanted to kind of lead him towards his place. And he, in asking him to give it up, wants to show him that he cares about it too much. That he's put his money over his God. So if you want to grow spiritually, you're going to have to give God access to every part of your life. Every part. And if you don't, you won't grow. Because more often than not, listen, this is so important, more often than not, it's the place you don't want to give God access to that actually needs the growth. That's just the way it works. It's that place that you kind of set up a fence around and said, God, this is my territory. Help me over here. God's going to be like, no, actually, that's the place that needs the work. The place that you've decided is off limits. And I don't know what that is for you. What area of your life have you said, God, okay, now, don't touch this, but everything else, help me over here. Just don't touch that. What is it for you? Is it your sex life? You're not going to let God put his hands on that? Is it how you handle your finances? Is it your attitude towards your spouse? Is it your attitude towards your boss? Is it your complete lack of discipline in certain areas of your life? What is it? Whatever it is, uh, what, what your tendency is, is when Jesus asks for it, you hesitate at best. You wrap your fingers tightly around it at worst. And you really just want to ask him, please help me in these other areas. Just leave this one alone. But I promise he loves you way too much to do that because that is your next level. That place that you've said, this is off limits, that's the next level. That's the key to you growing spiritually is saying, okay, God, what do you want to do with it? What do you want to do with it? And I promise if you refuse, listen, this is so important. If you refuse, you won't grow spiritually. I don't care what else you do. You could, you could become like a super Christian as much as you possibly can. If you hold on to that area, you're going to be stuck. You're going to feel it in your soul. You won't move. So prerequisite to growth is you've got to open it all up. You've got you to have no portion of your life that is off limits. You've got to give God access. You've got to give it to him. So that's number two. First is self-awareness. Second is no part of your life off limits. So this is Jesus says, okay, go sell everything you have, man. Come follow me. And here's where our boy responds, verse 22. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. So Jesus asks for the one thing and he drops his head and walks away. The, the wisdom that Jesus was giving him made him sad and it wasn't the kind of sad that causes a person uh, to change, it's the kind of sad that causes a person to give up. You know that kind of sad? The wisdom that Jesus just gave him made him sad to the point that he said, Forget this. And this shows us our third prerequisite to spiritual growth. Very simple, not easy, but simple. Humility. 
what he should have done when Jesus said, hey, sell everything and come follow me. His initial reaction inside of his soul was, oh, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. And at that point, he could have, instead of dropping his head and walking away, he could have dropped his head and been like, Jesus, I can't. I I can't do that. I, I need your help. I need you. Hel- help me do this. Help me come to a place where I can do this. If he would have, instead of walking away, broke and asked for help and came to a place of humility, well, then he would have been right where Jesus was trying to lead him to in the first place. If you want to grow spiritually, you're going to have to get it out of your head that you can do it without any help. If you want to grow spiritually, your spiritual growth is going to flow from a place of dependence on God. Some of you in this room, you think that God wants you to grow spiritually on your own and then like report back to him when you've made progress. You think that. I know you think that because I've thought it too, but that's not the way God works. Matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. If you look at John 15, four through five, Jesus says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. You cannot make any progress at all apart from God. You gotta get rid of that backwards thinking that God wants you to grow without him, like he wants you to be some kind of independent spiritual person. And then he'll be happy when you show up having made progress. There's no such thing. You can't do anything without God. You cannot make spiritual progress on your own. By the way, one of the most important aspects of this story uh, is actually to you if you're not a Christian yet. So if you're not a Christian yet, maybe you're still kind of figuring this whole thing out, this is really important because while uh, humility uh, is, a, is a prerequisite to spiritual growth, it's also a prerequisite to becoming a Christian, period. You remember the original question that this guy asked was, um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And um, I told you, Jesus didn't just tell him the answer, right? He wanted to lead him somewhere. He's trying to lead this guy to a place of humility and brokenness because the answer to that question, if Jesus wanted to slap this guy in the face, he says, hey, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus could have been like, oh, dude, you can't. (laughs) You can't do it. You can't. It's impossible. He could have just said that. He could have just said, oh, dude, that ship sailed already. You actually failed. Uh, Way back a long time ago, you didn't even know when you failed, but you failed and you can't do it. You can't. There's nothing that you can do to inherit eternal life. That's what Jesus could have said if he just wanted to dump the whole thing on him at once. To go to heaven, you gotta be perfect. That's what Jesus could have said. Now, maybe that sounds wrong to you. If you're not a Christian yet and you're like, whoa, dude, really? I'm like, well, none of you are getting in. You're right. Um, You're right, so check this out. This is what's so cool about this story. When this wealthy guy who kind of has it all together walks up, asks this question, Jesus sends him packing, and the disciples are like, hold up, he's not getting in? Wait a minute, that guy, he's like rich, which we think kind of means God's blessing him, and he does have his life together. He may not be as good as he says he is, but he's got his life together. You're telling me he's not getting in? And here's what they say. The disciples were astonished. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. If he's out, then I must be out too. And here's how Jesus responds. Verse 27, most most important verses in the Bible. Jesus looked at them intently 
and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. This is so important. I hope you saw this. They just asked, who can be saved? And Jesus said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. You can't be saved on your own, period. It's impossible. The, the question was, who can be saved? The answer was, it's impossible. That's where Jesus was trying to lead this guy. He was trying to lead him to a place where he realized he couldn't do it on his own. This is what Jesus wanted the man to see, and this is what Jesus wants you to see if you're not a Christian yet. You can't do it. You can't. This is why Jesus came. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot earn your way to a relationship with God. You can't get to a place where uh, you're standing up on your own spiritual legs. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to die for our imperfections, for our sins. So the, the prerequisite to you becoming a Christian is realizing that you can't work your way to God. You can't earn your way to heaven. You cannot get your life together spiritually. Before you can even trust in Jesus as your savior, you're gonna have to realize that you need a savior. That's the prerequisite, which is where the Jesus was trying to lead this young man to a place where he said, I can't, I can't do that, man. I can't do that. And uh, the young man was such an achiever such a type A, get it done kind of guy, he walked away instead of asking for help. So don't make the same mistake. Don't be like the man in the story, drop your head and walk away. Don't look at how far you know you have to go, think it's impossible and give up. Admit you can't do it. Put your faith in Jesus and he'll help you get there. And do it now, man. If you're not a Christian yet and you're seeing this as clearly as I am and you know your resume, you know how far you've made it spiritually and you know how far you have to go and you're sitting here and you're wondering about this Jesus guy and some light bulbs are going off, don't leave here without praying. Don't leave here without praying. Lord, I can't do it. I need you. I desperately need you in my life. Forgive me, save me. Pray that. Pray it right now. You have my permission to ignore the rest of what I'm saying. Pray it right now and and get right with God. Put your faith in Jesus. Become a Christian. And then uh, you'll see as he starts to work in your soul and in your life. Don't walk away like the young man here. All right. So if you are a Christian and you want to grow spiritually. We're still in the beginning part of this year. We got this hopeful, you know, new year, new me crap going on. So if that's you spiritually and you're thinking, man, I want to grow spiritually, here's your three prerequisites. If you actually want to grow spiritually this year, you need self-awareness. So you probably, if, if this is something that you need to work on, you probably need to find somebody in your life who loves you. And you need to ask them like, hey, hey, like, don't just tell me what I want to hear. Tell me, tell me the, tell me the real truth. Hit me, hit me in that spot that I know is going to hurt. Do it. You need to ask for that. If you want to grow spiritually, you need to ask for that. And then you're going to have to do some real soul searching to see if any part of your life you've built a fence around and said, God, you can't have this. You can have everything else. You need to really think about that because it's easy to say, oh, God has everything and is much harder in reality if you're actually saying, God, what do you want from me? Anything. I'll, I'll do anything. And then finally, humility. You need to realize that you can't do it. Stop with this spiritual stubbornness that you think you gotta climb up the hill on your own. Admit that you can't and ask for help. You need the Holy Spirit to help you do this. 
that, I'm telling you, that's it. For some of you, that's like the key to your spiritual growth is you just need to say the sentence, Jesus, I need you like every single day. Like that'll be your next level is coming to the conclusion that I cannot do this. I need you desperately in my life. That's gonna be it for some of you. So I don't know which one it is, but you need to look at that. Um, so if you put these three things together, think about the, per- the kind of person that this is. Like how cool is this kind of person who says, hey, um, so I know myself. I know I've got some strengths. I know I've got some weaknesses. I know I have some tendencies to sin, some tendencies to do some things God doesn't want me to do. I know where those are. And Jesus, it's all yours. Anything, man. Anything you want, Jesus. And, and I'm humble enough to know that I can't do this. So Lord, help me. Think about that person who has all three of these down. They are poised and ready to make some crazy spiritual breakthroughs this year and make 2018 like the best spiritual life, uh, best spiritual year of their life. If you get all three of these together. It's a powerful thing. All right, I want to make one more observation closing here. Um, If you back up and look at the story, the young man came running up to Jesus. He even kneeled down. Like that's that's a crazy thing to do for a young rich guy to run up to a, a backwoods preacher and put his knee on the ground and say, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a pretty crazy moment to happen. But the end of that story is that he walked away sad. And what I want to point out, if you just kind of back up and look at the whole story, is that saying you want something and actually being willing to do the things it takes to get the thing are two different things. And I bet that everybody in here, I mean, you're in church, so I'm guessing if I walked up to you and said, do you want to grow spiritually this year? You'd be like, "Mm mm-hmm. Even if you lied, you'd have to lie to me. I'm the pastor. You have to lie and say, yes, I do want to grow spiritually. But there's a difference. Just you saying that's not going to do anything. You have to see that this guy had some things in his life that he did not want to budge on. And even though he wanted the thing, he didn't get the thing because he was refused to budge on those things. And that's going to be the decision you have to make. You can say you want to grow spiritually all you want, but are you willing to actually do the things that it takes to be able to even step into that arena? That's the thing you've got to pray about.